0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinnerbaits, buzzbaits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig
2: out. Welcome to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. On this podcast, we'll be talking about life and kayak fishing. Every week, we'll have a special guest, whether it's a tournament angler, a content creator, or just a regular guy or girl who just loves to go kayak fishing. So grab a cold beer, sit back, and enjoy the show. Bass Kayak and Beers is sponsored in part by Douglas Rod. Go to douglasoutdoors.com to check out their full lineup and locate your nearest authorized dealer. I got the queen Susie Roloff from Paddle and Fiend joining me today. We're going to be talking about the jackhammer. You all know the jackhammer. And if you don't, get out from underneath that rock <laughs> and stick with the program. Now, but seriously, we're going to talk about jackhammers. And the reason why we want to talk about jackhammers is because, obviously, it's one of the most popular uh, baits out there. But it's kind of polarizing because of its price point. Jackhammers is essentially a chatterbait that costs about five dollars, ten dollars more than any other chatterbait out there, depending on which one you're looking for. But in my opinion, and Susie's opinion too, it is worth every penny. Yes, it's kind of expensive. Yeah, I wish it wasn't that expensive. Yes, I wouldn't. We, Susie and I, wish we didn't love it so much because <laughs> we wouldn't have to spend so much money on it. But. It works, and we're going to tell you why it works for us. Now, granted, this is just our opinions. We're not telling you that in order to be a great angler, you need a jackhammer. No, you just whatever, use whatever you feel comfortable using. We're just going to talk about jack, jackhammer because we like it, and that's it. Sorry if you don't like the jackhammer. I don't blame you. It's expensive. <laughs> Susie, so let's start with you. What are the features about the jackhammer that you love, and you think that stands out from the rest of the chatterbaits or bladed jigs that are out there?
3: Uh, well, first and foremost, definitely the um, uh, the trailer keeper on it. So, some, most other brands and chatterbait themselves usually only have one or none. And, uh, in this awesome picture here, um, you can see that it has two on there. So, and I can actually attest to this too. Um, if you look back on my YouTube channel from last, uh, late spring, early summer, I was fishing, uh, Banner Marsh and used the ChatterBait a lot. And I kept the same trailer on there for quite a long time. And I literally had to change it out because, um, like parts of it were just like kind of disintegrating because it gotten bit so much but like I never actually lost the bait. So, um that's definitely been an awesome feature for that. Um second feature is uh definitely going to be the different colored blades. Um I you know, typically you go through the store you see the uh silver and gold ones. Well, now Z-Man has upped the game. They've got black They've got green. Um, I think they've got, do they have red ones yet?
2: Yeah, I think so. With the, the, yeah, the red one, I think so. Not sure, though. But
3: I know they also got the clear one with the the new jackhammer, is it called the stealth blade?
2: The stealth blade.
3: Yes. Yep. Yep. I haven't gotten any of those yet, so I haven't jumped on that train yet. Um, But uh, yeah, so yeah, the different colored blades and then the trailer keepers. Um, those would definitely be my top features. And then, um, I know the key, one of the main key features that sets the jackhammer and chatterbait apart from everything else is the, uh, blade that is connected to the jig head itself.
2: Yeah, that, that, I think it's the key, the, The real key, I think, and the real difference about the jackhammer is the design. And we were trying to do a little research on their patented design. And there was a bunch of information we found and we figured, well, we might just. Yeah. (laughs) But basically, the gist of it is the jackhammer has some type of patent with the blade itself. I'm going to show you the difference here. I'm sorry. With the blade itself and also how it attaches to the jig head. And I think that's the key in what really sets the jackhammer apart. And the reason why I say that is, if you look at this picture, the one above is not a—it's um, not the jackhammer. The one below is the jackhammer. Now, on this one, you can tell on the one on the top, there is an O-ring between the blade and the and the and the jig. On the jackhammer, the blade is attached directly to the head. Why is that a big deal? Well, because essentially this O-ring acts like a shock absorber. It mitigates the vibration that is transferring from the blade to the jig head. And the jig head, and therefore the swim bait itself, the trailer, is not going to move as erratically as it would with the jackhammer. That's the thing about it. If you have like an O-ring in between, that just absorbs all the action. Where is it when it's attached directly, the blade is going to directly affect the jig head and it's going to affect the movement not only of the jig head, but the trailer as well. It's going to give it more erratic action. The other thing is because of its blade design, that blade design is perfect. The reason why I say that is every chatterbait that you throw out there, or a blade that that you throw out there at some point or another, you either have to retrieve it at a certain minimum speed for that blade to engage, or you have to give it that like snap to the rod to have that blade kind of engage from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Whereas the jackhammer, as soon as that, blade hits the water it starts vibrating even on the downfall you can feel it on your line that is no matter how slow you reel that jackhammer that blade is engaged and vibrating and that's the real key i think and the real difference it gives it that much more action on a trailer and on the jig it has itself than any other bladed jig out there The other thing that I like and one of the reasons why it's more expensive is that hook. That is a quality must-have hook where a lot of the other ones kind of caught costs by using cheaper, less quality hooks, which a lot of people tend to overlook. You you start looking at, oh, look how cute it is. Look how beautiful it is. Oh, it's perfect. (laughs) The most important thing is that hook. The quality hook is what's gonna land you that big bass. A, a bladed jig will be get hit by any fish, but the hook is the one that's gonna hold it in place. So that's the other thing why that is so important. That that quality they bring on that mustad hook. They also have three different um, weights on it. You can have a three eighth, a half ounce, and the one and one quarter ounce to go deep, which we'll go into that a little bit more later. But to me, those are the real differences, along with what you said, Susie, that makes it stand out above the competition.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep.
2: What about trailers, Susie? Let's talk a little bit about that. What trailers do you use and how do you implement the trailers?
3: All right. So there are uh, four different kinds of trailers, uh, that I will use, uh, throughout the season. So, uh, Armando, has, uh, some awesome pictures up here first. Um, so the one in the top left, that one is using a rage menace mm-hmm. and, um, those are probably my, uh, yeah, my second most used one on the jackhammer. And, um, they're pretty good. Uh, So what I like about those is uh, once you get them out of the package, you got to take the little tails and kind of uh, uh, break them apart uh, because otherwise they won't flutter quite as much. They're just connected with a little piece of the molding on there. But once you get Mm -hmm. it off of there, then the little tails at the end there, they'll just kind of flutter a little bit, giving it just enough, a little bit of an action, but not too much action. So action on the trailers of the Chatterbay Bay are key to the different techniques that you're going to be using, which we'll get to here later on. Um, but yeah, if you want just a little bit of a flutter, I'm going to use the Rage Tails. Now on the bottom left, um, these are swim bait trailers and there's, you know, probably a billion different uh, types of swim baits that you can use, brands and whatnot. Um, My favorite is obviously uh, Kitex, and um, I'll put them on there uh, actually three different ways. So the first way I'll put them on there is the normal way, which is what you see in the picture here. So you just it on there and that tail will be kicking and kind of almost swimming erratically back behind that chatterbait. Then what else I do is I will actually cut the little paddle off of the end of the tail and just so that I have just this little bit left on there so that there basically won't be any action at all. That's if I just want it to kind of look like a, um, uh, like a, um, uh, a bait fish, in a sense, you know, I don't want any action. I just want to straight crank that thing through the water. I don't care about the uh, the trailer going on there. I'm just cranking it through the water. Um, that's what I'll do. And then if I don't have any Rage Tails on me or if I want something a little bit different, I will put that tail on there upside down. And so what I mean by that is if you look at that bottom left picture and then I've got mine up here, it's just basically the paddle is up uh, upside down. So that actually uh, I got uh, from uh, Tactical Bass, and I'm not going to lie, <laughs> I watched the video. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and uh, it has a pretty interesting like kick. It's not like a constant thing. It's just kind of almost like a little bit of a wobble. So if I'm looking for mm-hmm. something a little bit different. When the fish just aren't, you know, going after a typical trailer or if I'm burning it, then I'll kind of slow it down a little bit and kind of get that tail going. Sometimes I'll get a different uh, trigger bait as well. But my number one trailer that I absolutely love is the one in the bottom right corner. That is the Gary Yamamoto Zako, And those things, I think... The Zoccos and the jackhammers were just a match made in heaven. I'm just going to be (laughs) quite honest. (laughs) Uh, I think they perfectly resemble a uh, a, a bait fish or fleeing fish or whatever you want to call them. Uh, The way that the skirts um, just kind of make that uh, bait kind of look full. And then that tail, it'll kind of be swimming normally. It won't be crazy or anything like that, but it'll just kind of be kicking back and forth there a little bit. It just... It's like just the perfect setup. It's a dream. (laughs) And then when I want to get a little uh, crazy and unique, or as some people call let's get weird. um, (laughs) If I want something big and want something to just grab that fish's attention, I'm going to put what is called a cowboy behind the end of that thing. And the reason for that is I'll kind of get into more depth uh, as we talk about the retrieval is when I'm hopping the jackhammer. So, um, yeah, those are my top four trailers that I'll use um, almost on any given day. But my top two, well, yeah, my top three are definitely going to be the Zocco, the Rage Tail, and then a Paddle Tail, like Tech type trailer.
2: That's good information. I am going to go very similar to you, like the same way. I use the Rage Menace, the Rage Tail, and then the Saco. Those are my primary ones that I use. I also use every now and then the Fluke because, like you said, instead of just cutting the paddle on the paddle tail, I like to just use the Fluke because they're cheap. Mm -hmm. You know, you can get them you know, by with um, Zoom or some other brand, they're not very expensive. And uh, so that's what I use when I don't want it to have a lot of action. Now, the the colors that I use are going to be either pretty much white or black and blue. Every now and then I'll throw in um, a green, green pumpkin, like the Rachel Green or the Kytec just to give it something different. But primarily the way that I use it is if I'm going to be... Swimming it or bouncing it or just rolling it around shallow rock beds or uh, then I'm going to start using the the rage menace. And the reason for that is the rage menace, that kick and tail gives it more like a crawl like action. And when you are fishing it and banging it through short, shallow ledges, rocky ledges, rocky bottom, that's where usually crawfish are going to be hanging out. So any bass that's hanging around them might be looking for crawfish. So that's what I'll start with. If the water is very clear, I'll throw a white. If it's really dark or muddy, then I'll throw the black and blue. If the water is kind of green, stainish, not very muddy, not very stained, but also not clear enough. Then I'll do that little dipping on the chartreuse ink like JJ's Magic or any other, or your preferred brand. That really doesn't matter. But just give it that, if you can see on the picture, that little accent green to kind of make it stand out. If I'm going to use the paddle tail or the fluke, then I'm going to switch, um, swim it over maybe more like open water where shad, shiners, and bait fish are going to be schooling because that instead looks more like a bait fish than a uh, crawfish. And the Seiko, I only use it if I'm going to be using the one and one quarter ounce, because the one and one quarter ounce is what I've gone to to go for those deep bass. I used to do the crankbait, the deep diving crankbait, but as you know, Susie, on a kayak, that'll work. <laughs> that That's a workout. I don't care what rod or reel you're using, that is simply a workout. So I was so thankful when, Jack Ham, when Z-Man came up with the one and one quarter ounce jackhammer. Could you just cast it out? You can bum it out at that weight. Let it flutter down to whatever depth you want it to stay and then just work the retrieval accordingly. My biggest bass, my personal best was a 22 and three quarter Uh, inch bass and it came on the Seiko and it came on a deep ledge, just slow rolling it through the bottom. Now, the reason why I do a Seiko only on the um, one and one quarter ounce is because I'm fishing deep water. Primarily when bass are that deep hugging ledges, not open water, but just ledges, a lot of times they're just trying to get out of either the warm water or if it's on summer or the cold water when it's on winter, or just simply just hanging out. They're not really looking for bait fish or anything like that. They're just hanging out on the bottom. So having something with a lot of action, a lot of movement may not trigger the bite because they may be lethargic. They just may be shilling down there. So I want to do something that slow ruddy enough that I can still get some action on the blade with the tail just kind of staying straight. That's, that's the thing about the Seiko. It doesn't have that lot of movement. It just kind of stays still. It gives it more of a natural look. Awesome, so what setups do you use for the retrieval and how to work your jackhammer?
3: So my primary way of fishing the jackhammer um, is I like to use a shorter rod. Uh, mainly because uh, if I'm going to be skipping that jackhammer, and yes, I will skip it, <laughs> uh, uh, when I skip it up underneath docks and stuff like that, I like to have the shorter rod to be able to kind of get that underhand momentum going. Whereas if with a longer rod, sometimes you can't always get that. And I've mm-hmm. learned um, when I first started uh, kayak fishing that me and longer rods just don't get along. So um, I actually have a six foot 10 St. Croix Mojo Bass glass rod that I use and let me tell you the feeling of the vibration on that rod is it's amazing like you can just as soon as you barely start to reel you just feel it in that rod so you know when the action is happening uh, on that rod and it is a moderate action and medium power and uh, I use a uh, Daiwa Tatula CT uh, 7-3 ratio reel And, you know, again, these aren't like dead set ways that you have to uh, fish with or whatever. That's just kind of what has worked out perfectly for me. Now, when it comes to line, this is where it kind of changes for me. So if I'm, you know, I fish primarily Banner Marsh and I in the midsummer, I'm going to have thick, massive weeds. And so I'm just going to fish straight braid because if I catch a fish, it's going to want to immediately go into those thick weeds or even sometimes submerged logs and stuff like that. I want to be able to horse that thing out of there really quick. So I will actually fish straight braid and I'll even fish with a different rod if I know I'm going to be in some really, really heavy junk. Um, I've got a Kistler... Uh, KLX uh, with heavy power for those types of instances, but I don't fish that all the time. But if the fish are on a, like a reaction bite, then I'll switch it over to that. But more, uh, most of the time I'm using that St. Cory Mojo Bass class and I'm fishing along weed edges and stuff like that. If I'm using fluorocarbon, um, I will only be using about maybe, I don't know, maybe like a 10 foot leader on there, and then the rest of the line on my reel is braid. And so, um, actually, over the past uh two years, I've kind of learned a little trick as far as like saving money for one thing because line is expensive, Mm -hmm. and uh, braid is pretty cheap and it'll last for years. Whereas fluorocarbon, you usually got to change it out just about every year. So, having the larger amount of line being that braid backing is a going to save you more of, uh, not using that fluorocarbon. And with your leader, you can make your leader as long as you want. So you're not wasting an entire spool of, you know, $30, whatever, you know, brand line you may use. Um, I use, um, uh, red label cigar. Uh, sometimes I'll use the uh, abrasics and the invisics line. Um, sometimes it'll just kind of depend on, um, uh the water and the structure that I'm gonna be in. But yeah, most typically I've got a uh, 20 pound uh power pro braid backing and then I've got about a 15 foot 12 pound Seaguar uh red label or Brazic uh leader on there and that's usually what I straight fish with. That's
2: good information right there. Kind of along the lines of what you were just saying, I like to use on lines fluorocarbon on at least 15. Now I can go with the three eighth of an ounce and half ounce as low as 10 mm-hmm. pound test line. The yeah. only thing is I don't want to lose my tag hammer. Yeah. So even though <laughs> a 10 pound test line is probably ideal, I like to go with a 15 pound test line just so I know I won't lose it as much if it gets get snagged. Right. It's a little bit more of a chance to get that, that lure <laughs> back if I get it snagged. So if you really don't want to waste money, I recommend you don't go anything lower than 50. But I mean, you can go as long as 10, and that allows the the chatterbait to have a little bit more action. The the lighter the line, the more action it can, it, it freedom for action does that blade jig have. Now, when I'm doing the uh, when I'm doing the one and one quarter ounce jackhammer, then I'm going with a 20 pound test line fluorocarbon. Same thing, Seaguar uh, Invisics, that's my favorite fluorocarbon line. I I really don't use anything. As far as fluorocarbon goes, I don't use anything that, other than Invisics. I mean, that, that is to me is the best line out there. For that deep diving chatterbait, I'm going to use the Douglas rods, eight foot long, heavy, fast, and I'm going to just bomb it out there. Because if I wanted to go deep, it, I, it can't be a, a a short cast. It has to be bomb it out there. Give yourself more of a distance as much as you can because as that bait is being retrieved, that bladed jig or jackhammer is being retrieved, it is coming up. So I want it to be at that strike zone, that sweet zone as long as possible. So I like to bomb it out. As far as the real goals, I'll use the Abu Garcia beast just because that's my setup for Swim for big swim baits. Since I'm that's the one I'm going to use, then I'm not going to change the reel on it, and I'm not going to buy another rod specifically just for that jackhammer. So I use my big swim bait um, setup for that. And again, it's eight foot, heavy, fast action Douglas rod, and the reel is going to be the Abu Garcia Beast, which is a six point four uh, retrieval. So it's not the fastest, but then again, with the I feel like with the jackhammer people sometimes just reel it in too fast. And that's okay when the bass are really, you know, hitting those cooler fish. But when you're fishing it on the bottom, then you don't really want to move it too fast out there. You just kind of want to let it work and do its magic down there without moving it too fast. Now, when I'm fishing um, shallow waters, then I'll use the Douglas rod seven and a half feet and with the moderate to fast action, and uh, same thing, I'll just bum it out there. I'll use the Corrado 7.1 gear ratio so I can move it a little bit faster. Now, as far as your retrieval, how do you like to work your retrieval on those uh, on the jackhammer?
3: So, there's actually a couple different ways that uh, I like to fish the jackhammer. So, when it comes to, you know, early spring and whatnot, you know, when those fish are hungry and they're wanting to eat moving bait fish. I'm first going to start off with ripping and burning. So I'm going to cast it out there. And as soon as it hits that water, I'm going to burn, 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 burn that baby in. See if I can get any reaction by I'm looking for weed lines structure. I'm looking for bait fish that might be top or uh, popping on top. You know, I'm I'm searching. So that's eventually how I kind of start off. And depending on what happens from there, then I'll be changing it up. So if I'm not getting anything on the burn, then I'm going to start slowing it down. So, you know, I'm going to have like a steady retrieve. And also, uh, depending on the depth of water I might be using, where uh, at Banner Marsh, we have a lot of like deep channel cuts. Sometimes we'll have some shallow areas. So different parts of the water i might want to fish a certain depth compared to you know other parts of the lake so what i'll do is i'll throw it out there and i'll let it sink for a little bit to right about the sweet spot that you think it might be like if i'm fishing an eight foot channel and i want it to go go down to about four foot i'll count about maybe three or four seconds then i'll start reeling it in at a steady retrieve but not too fast to where i'm raising it higher in the uh in the water I uh, keep it at a steady retrieve just to keep it at that sweet spot and, you know, just try different depths and see where they're at. And then from there, what I'll do is uh, I'll do some twitching actions. So when I'm reeling it around, I'll kind of do like a quick little like zoo, zoo, zoo type thing, like do zoo. And that is just enough to make that uh, jackhammer kind of flinch a little bit. And sometimes that's just enough of a change in that retrieve for a bass to come and attack that bait. Other times, if I'm just, you know, feeling weird again, as people like to say, I will fish that thing so erratically. People will be looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I'll just be like, zoo, zoo. I'll like raise my rod up and everything to kind of change it. I'll just swim it erratically. And I've gotten hits on it before, you know, it, it works, you know, so don't be afraid to try something just totally wild and totally crazy. Um, and then the other method, um, kind of similar to Armando's is when I'm using the, um, the cowboy, which is this trailer right here. So I'll be kind of focused on deeper, uh, water. So, you know, we're talking anywhere, it could be eight foot, it could be 10 foot, it could be 20 foot, it could be deeper than that. So there's a couple different ways I like to fish uh, deeper water. So when it comes to the cowboy, I'll throw it out there, let it hit the bottom, and then I'll do what I call like the hop. I'll just bring it up and I'll feel that flutter and then I'll stop and it'll flutter back down. And then I'll bring it up and let the, the blade do its magic and then let it falter back down. Another way that I like to fish it too is kind of like what Armando does is fish it kind of slow along the bottom. You don't want it, you could have it dragging right across the bottom or you could just be barely above the bottom where you're just kind of slowly going along and you can kind of feel it hit the bottom once in a little while. But those are a couple different ways that I'd like to fish the, uh, the deeper waters as well.
2: Yeah, that's a good. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's exactly what I do too. Like if I'm using the, we usually when I use like the paddle tail ones, like the Rage Menace, mm-hmm. not the paddle. Tail, I'm sorry. Usually when I'm doing the Rage Menace, mm-hmm. since it's kind of like a crawl like a uh, trailer, then I'll use I'll usually just bounce it,
3: mm-hmm. kind of like yes.
2: a, like a crawfish bounce it. Now I typically start with like you said, just burning it, throwing out there and burning it. If I'm not getting bites that way, then that's when I'm gonna switch to that yo-yo retrieval. Just kind of like lift the rod tip, let it fall, lift the rod tip, let it fall. That's usually on rocky bottoms and on shallow rocky bottoms. If I'm gonna be on the open water, then I'm gonna use, like I said, the rage menace. On that aspect, same thing. I'll just start with a fast retrieval, burn it, see if I get anything, if not, I won't show you it as much because it's open water. But what I do like to do is kind of like give it that, like that jerk bait motion, where I just like retrieve, retrieve, and boom, just whip that rod. And if you ever seen that on clear water, go look, go try it out because it is fantastic. The action on that jackhammer when you kind of twitch that that rod tip it is just amazing, especially when you have like a a trailer that has a lot of movement, like either a rage menace or a rage swimmer. It just darts to either side of where you're like, where you're twitching the rod. And then it, boom, comes back to, goes back to the the original line that it was swimming. But it is a beautiful action that a lot of times is going to get you that strike. And that's the most, the three ways that I got in the most bites has been that way. Straight retrieval, burning it. If not, if I'm using the Rage Menace, and I'm gonna bounce it off the bottom, working it a little bit slow. And if I'm open water, I'm gonna straight retrieval, burning it, and then if not, then I'm gonna start doing those twitching motions, kind of like a jerk bait. And eventually something, for the most part, <laughs> something is gonna bite it, just because it has that great action. And then, like I said, mentioned before, on the bottom, deep bottom, then I'm just gonna use a straight retrieval slow action and just let that bait just kind of like scud around the bottom and look for those lethargic bass that are just hanging out at the bottom.
3: Yep. And a couple of other little things that I'll do sometimes too is um, if I have like a shallow bank that doesn't have like weeds and moss and stuff on it, and I know it's kind of got a muddy bottom and it kind of tapers down deeper. I'll throw that thing literally up in the mud and I'll slowly drag it to get it Mm -hmm. in the water. And then once I've got it in deep enough, then I'll start cranking it. So that way the fish don't necessarily get spooked by the splash. So if you're trying to remain stealthy, that's another kind of little tidbit uh, that you can do to try to, get that bait in the water as quiet as possible and then just take off and hopefully you get that reaction bite.
2: It is also, and I, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause that reminds me, it's great for fishing on grass. And I learned that from watching Derek Brundle and listening to some of the podcasts he's been on. One thing that he has a lot of success is he looks for grassy yes. areas. Yes. He throws, he bombs it out. Then he starts looking for those patches of grass. that are going to kind of like, Snag that jackhammer a little bit, and as soon as he feels that little tension, he's just gonna let it still for a second, and then just rip it out. And when it rips it out of that grass, he says, for the most part, he'll take the head. And what happens is that bass is looking at it; it seems it seems like it's a fish that's struggling, so it wanna wanna pounces on it. And when you rip it out of that grass, that reaction strike that mentality, that striking mentality the bass has that I need to grab it before it gets away, boom, you get hit a lot. And, I mean, Derek Brundle, if you listen to any of his podcasts or any of the interviews that he's done, he's sores by that technique. And that's something that I've actually tried on some of the weedy lakes, and it works great. If there's a bass nearby and you're working that jackhammer or bladed jig in general through that grass and you get a little snag and suddenly you pop it, a lot of times most times if there's a bass nearby it will hit it
3: mm-hmm. it almost
2: can not hit it
3: yeah exactly you know and you know you may be deterred from fishing an area because you know it might seem like there's moss and stuff everywhere and it might seem every cast you might have to clean off your uh your hook and whatnot but it is worth it um there was a time i was up on um Lake Mendota, uh, part of the, uh, Madison chain in Madison, Wisconsin. And I was fishing along in this area and there was just a lot of broken up weeds and stuff. Cause the, um, the weed eaters, uh, the machines that they would take out there to like eat the weeds and stuff away from like the personal docks and stuff would just churn that stuff up on the water and it'd just be kind of floating everywhere in the water. And I'd just be like, this is gonna suck, but you know, it, it's worth it because, you know, I was at a point to where it was like every second or third cast, like I'd have a fish on. And even though every single time I'd reel that thing in and have to throw off weeds and stuff, it was so worth it. So, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, go through the weeds and stuff like that. Um, you know, I mean, there are certain points to where, you know, that it, where it's going to be too thick to be able to fish it, but um, you know, get, get creative, get gutsy out there, you know, try, try different stuff. And yeah, it, it is an expensive bait, you know, but, uh, once you feel comfortable, uh, fishing at different ways and whatnot, and want to explore different things, you know, go for it. You know, <laughs> I've, uh, I've went to the extreme to where I retrieved a jackhammer that broke off. It um, I was in like a little clear patch of water and there was like a log that I didn't quite see because the water was kind of murky. And I remember like ripping it through the water and then all of a sudden boop, it stops and I'm like, oh, and then it, you know, it snapped my line because I whipped really hard thing and it was a bass and uh, luckily enough i was able to uh reach my net down and uh, hook it on the net and retrieve it so i'll go to kind of extensive lengths sometimes to retrieve it because of how expensive (laughs) they are but uh they're they're worth it
2: yeah i've actually had one that i lost and then i did another cast with another jackhammer and because of the vibration on the blade, the blade caught the the line. Because I guess when it broke oh. off, it broke off at like five feet of line.
3: Oh so yeah, it
2: tangled the line and it brought the other jackhammer out. So I got my jackhammer back. So I nice. was I was happier <laughs> that if I would have gone home and got skunked that day, I would still would have been ecstatic.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> but anyways, Susie, thank you so much for joining us. Catch Susie in. Uh, Catch Susie on the
3: Out Adventures uh, with Outdoor Woman.
2: Let me try that. I'll <laughs> let this part out. So, Susie, thank you so much for joining me. You can catch Susie on
3: Adventures of Outdoor Woman podcast.
2: Every other Saturday on the Paddle and Fin Network. And you can also listen to my podcast. It's every Wednesday on the Paddle and Fin Network. And, again, title of my podcast is Bass, Kayak, and Beers. So this has been Armando and Susie. Giving you the trips, ticks, and techniques to rip more lips. I stole out that a Sean. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, this is the Basque Hack and of Beers. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that bell notification, get notified every time there's a new video. Thank you for joining me and watching our video. Have a great day, everyone. Bye.